Welcome back to another episode of What's the Word? Uh, and I've got Dallas back here with me. Good to see you again. Good to see you too. And happy for the conversation that we're having right now. Oh, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, because like we were talking a little bit before we even got started about how like it felt like I. It's funny because whenever a new person like walks around here, I'm like, you feel like you're learning from a fire hose, right? <laughs> like exactly. Like taking all of the information. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was a little bit of our last episode, our first episode. Our first episode. I didn't mean, we didn't mean for it to be that we way, but there's but so much. As we got talking, it was like, okay, we're uncovering this, we're uncovering that. Oh, we got to talk about that. And so it was really cool when we stopped. It was like, okay, look, because <laughs> you're, you're the wonderful student. I'm, I, I like to learn, but I feel like you're the better student. It's have, because I'm old and my memory doesn't work as well. So I have to take things down, write we, things down. We have so many notes as well. I do. Right? Well, and I'm a note taker too. And so it was kind of fun though that it was like, okay, I have all this stuff we didn't tackle. And so it's fun, even though we've been planning this for a while now and like mapping out what we're going to talk about, we said, hey, let's swerve it to have this conversation now right. as we get going. And we'll talk a little bit about more about what it is that we're serving into. But one of the ways I appreciate you bringing in when we think about even starting each and every one of these conversations podcast called what's the word because we're talking about what does the word actually say what do the scriptures say and so what is a way that we can kind of routinely start our time together and it was through the words of psalm 19 verse 14 and so i would love to read those for us today as we get going and as i this is how i nerded out dallas tell me as i was kind of mapping this out i was like psalm 19 is fun like i want to read more than just verse 14 but maybe at one point later we'll dive even deeper into what does psalm 19 say but from now uh, let's start with these words. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And you talked Amen. about those words were kind of important to you. I know, like I was saying just a little bit ago, every time I do a sermon, like when I do the prayer before I go up there, that's those are the words I end with, right? It's just the habit I've seen in other pastors that I've appreciated. But you too, right? I am not a pastor. Right, so no sermons. No sermons, but I am a speaker. And so I do a lot of ladies groups in different different churches, and those are the words that I start with. Absolutely. I I, I want the people that that are hearing me to actually not hear me. I want them to hear the words of God and the Holy Spirit. And so that, for me, is a reminder that it's not by... It's not by my strength. It's not by my knowledge. It's by what the Spirit is going to give to me. Absolutely. And that's like what I appreciate about Psalm 19 is that that's what, this, that's what it's about. Right. Is the same thing. Well, and it's so appropriate then for this too. Is I think it was kind of, we've kind of joked about how nerdy we can both get when it comes to all things scripture and the fullness of the conversation that we can be having. Um, and at the same time, I was kind of telling you, I was watching a movie on Netflix Uh, Jesus Revolution, and it was kind of cool that it pointed me back to what what's the the main thing, if you will, like what is the most important thing that we have, and the most important thing that we will talk about and that we will get to at some point is Jesus. But that's what the word points to in the first place is the good news that we all have in Jesus Christ as as Christians. This is what we believe, teach, and confess. And so, until then, right, we hold that in front of us, we keep that, so that we know all of this is pointing to Jesus. So hopefully everything we talk about eventually does that too. Exactly. But as we exactly. get going today, today, what are we talking about, Dallas? Oh, uh, we are talking about the reliability question of scripture. Yeah. Right. So how in the world can we even trust what we have today? And it has been kind of fun to link together like certain things that have happened, certain questions that have happened even just in the last week. Cuz again, we walked away last time going Hey, we really need to talk about that. We do. Because like, how do you have a conversation with someone that's never 
met the Bible before, never opened it up and not talk about, hey, by the way. This is real. How did we get this? Mm -hmm. How do we know this isn't all completely made up? How do we know this didn't appear yesterday? How do we know all sorts of different questions? And as we, as we thought about that, it was funny when we looked at our schedule and things that we wanted to talk about, we went to, because we always want to actually open up the word, because as we said before, the most helpful time for the Bible is when it's open, when it's open, when it's open. And so we went to a verse that we were going to look at a little bit later in our time together, but Mm -hmm. we actually said, let's bring it all the way to the front. And that goes to Isaiah 40, uh, verse eight in particular. But I was like, I love seeing the fullness of, of scripture in the context of it. Um, so I actually like one through eight, but kind of the context behind it, even before we even hear these words, like what's going on here, the people of Isaiah, uh, it was funny, Dallas, as I was talking, right? Cause this is for someone that's never opened this stuff, right. never, never talked. Right. And there was a piece of me that's like, oh, well, I could explain it this way. And I'm like, actually, no, like the more I've tried to teach the broad overview of all things scripture, cause this is covering history. That's what right. it is. No, Isaiah. Yeah. And so I was about to say, well, this is one of those times where I was like, no, you know what? This is one of the most significant times of the Old Testament in a place that, frankly, the church doesn't talk about often. So you have the great exile. Mm -hmm. So you have the great moment where the people of God, and it's actually like I, I, when I teach this, actually, I kind of say you can give the broad picture of history through the lens of the scriptures Mm -hmm. in 12 steps. 12 seems like a lot, right? But at the, in the grand scheme, especially for anybody that's kind of spent a little bit of time with the Bible, 12 is not so much. But here with this idea of the exile, that's probably one of the most significant events of the Old Testament. I would agree. I mean, the other big one is the Exodus, kind mm, of a big deal. That's one of my favorites. <laughs> and I say that. We like, talked about that last week. There you go. And creation's Kind of a big oh, deal. Oh, I like so, that one too. But eventually, right? I mean, the long and short of it for someone that's never heard this before, God's people eventually settle in a land uh, and they get pretty comfortable. They find kings for themselves because they want to be like everybody else. And what? they end up like that's everybody else. That's not like today, is well, it? right? Because mm. they're human, human beings. Yeah. And they find themselves in trouble then. And so God's like, okay, I've had enough of this. Y'all aren't listening to me. You aren't taking to heart what actually matters to me. You're not acting like my kids kind of thing. And so he says, I'm going to let, I'm going to allow, right? It's not, Mm -hmm. I'm sending, but I'm going to allow this exile to happen. And so God's people get taken from the land. Again, I I refer to this when I teach students. Uh, This is the darkest chapter of Israel's history. This is not a fun time. No. Right? No. Everything feels like it's falling down. It was. Uh, the world is falling apart. The world's crazy because mm-hmm. this is getting up to pretty close to, I mean, I say pretty close, like but, but pretty close to when Jesus is going to come in, right? Sure. Right. 700 years. Yeah. But I was going to say, fine. right. I it's know. Fine. That's what I'm saying though. It's is, all relative. In the grand scheme of history, yeah. pretty close. And this is when we think the world is crazy now. Mm-hmm. The world in those 700 years between Isaiah and mm. Jesus is not a world I would want to live in. I do Again, not. And here's the fun part too, because this will be relevant for our conversation today. I know that not from what I hear here. I know that from history. Right. From the history books and Mm -hmm. the description of all human activity that's happening during that time. There's a reason why Jesus came into the world when he did. Right? So all that said, eventually, uh, spoiler alert, they they get back. Right? (laughs) But in the middle of that, what does God say to his people? And these are the words of Isaiah 40. Right? Do you want it? No, you go ahead because I've got got something later that I want to add to that. Ooh, fun. Uh Okay, good, good, good. So I'm going to start at verse verse 1, but then verse 8 is the big one because it's going to lean into this reliability question. How can we really trust 
the words that we have in front of us. So right. comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and announce to her that her time of forced labor is over. Her iniquity has been pardoned and she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one crying out, prepare the way of the Lord in the wilderness. Make a straight highway for our God in the desert. Every valley will be lifted up and every mountain and hill will be leveled. The uneven ground will become smooth and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will appear and all humanity together will see it. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice was saying, cry out. Another said, why should I cry out? All humanity is grass and all its goodness is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows on them, indeed, the people are grass. I'm going to pause there before verse 8 because I want to I want to make sure— Break that down just a little bit. Right, because anytime the Scripture, especially when you hear it for the very first time, it can be very confusing. What in the world is it talking about? Because it's written in a different time, mm-hmm. an ancient time, thousands of years ago. Different language. Different language, different people. What does all this mean? What Here is a picture of in the middle of their darkest hour— mm-hmm. A, their redemption is coming. Their, it's a promise. The, the hope is being promised mm-hmm. right here, that this is going to get better, that things are going to be different. All things will be made right, mm-hmm. okay? But at the same time, right, you have this language in verse 6 and 7 of the grass withers, the flowers fade, all humanity is grass. And what it's talking about is the things of this moment and this time are temporary, okay? They're, they don't last. And And, and this might be a heavy conversation for someone who's never had it before, but like I've always said, like one of the most important conversations we can have with people is this whole, hey, you do know you're going to die, right? And what do you think is going to happen next? Right. And eventually it gets there, but I even just pause in that one. Like you do know you're going to die, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the reality of, you know, almost every human being that's ever lived. Almost. <laughs> Jesus, mm. Jesus has a few exceptions for us, right? So you have that. Now, but at the same time, though, Jesus died, okay? So it's not even like, I mean, what do we got? We got Enoch and Elijah. That's mm-hmm. it. The, the, in, in Scripture, it in talks scripture. about someone yeah. who never died. Um, but then everyone else dies, okay? And there's resurrection, and we'll get to that at some point, I'm sure, in our whole journey. But Y'all uh, take notes for all of the things that we just put a pin in and remind us in the comments. <laughs> like, hey, we should do that. We should have a board. We, yeah, you and said like we were going to talk Boop. about this. <laughs> Boop. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be so fun. Okay, but— what, what, what Isaiah is saying is I get you look around and you see how temporary everything is. Mm-hmm. And I think the older I get, the more I recognize that too of how temporary things, things just don't last. Okay. So hold into that. Man, y'all are getting really deep. Yeah. Because verse 8 says, the grass withers, the flowers fade. Again, that temporary thing is right there. But. I love that in scripture. We yeah, can geek out on that all day. Exactly. But. But the word of our God remains forever. And for someone being introduced to the Bible for the very first time, they might go, well, how is that hopeful? How is that promising? And that's why we're talking. That's why we have this podcast. That's what is the word? What does it do? We talked a little bit about it last time. It creates faith. Um, but you look throughout scripture and just the, the tease, right, of all the things God's word does. It creates. Uh, it redeems. Mm-hmm. It restores. Mm-hmm. Uh, it delivers justice in a way that I think most people would agree is okay, right? That evil is bad. Okay, but we can get into that. There's another Put it on the board. board. Uh, but the word of God endures forever. That means it lasts. That means there's something of substance with what God says. And what we have in front of us, we would say as Christians, is the word of God. Right. 
All right, let me throw a wrinkle. Do it. In there for that. Yeah. So you and I are believers. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Uh, We can have this conversation with each other and understand almost immediately what the other one is trying to say. Yes. Because this is what we this is what we believe we've based our entire life off of this. Yes. Um, but for somebody that this brand is brand new, new, this is brand new, the question becomes, why are you talking in circles to me? Ooh, it's okay. called Keep going. circular reasoning. Yeah. So we use the Bible to Ooh, prove good. the Bible. Okay. But if if you've never heard this before, if you're a non-believer, if yeah. you're just unsure, um, how are you going to effectively use the Bible to prove the Bible? And a lot of people that are going to be listening to this that that know me know that I am nestled in the Old Testament. So you whip sure. out Isaiah and I am all over it. And But my go-to verse for today, the yeah. reliability question, sure. comes from the New Testament. Okay. New Testament. So we go into Matthew Matthew 5, which is the Sermon, sermon on the Mount, sure. that it's one of the—, the most famous, famous. Uh, it's a, it was a significant event. It's a in significant Jesus event yeah. in Jesus's ministry. Okay, so Matthew verse five, um, seventeen and eighteen. Oh, look at that! Genesis just fell right out. <laughs> That's a well used Bible. It's a very well well loved Bible. So uh, Matthew five, starting in verse seventeen. Do not think this is Jesus talking that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So we go and look at, these are the words of Jesus. Again, as believers, we take that as fact, as truth. But we can look at extra biblical sources, historians from this time period that will attest, yes, Jesus lived. Jesus walked the earth. Jesus was a wise man. He was a wise teacher. The historian, probably the most famous historian of the time was Flavius Josephus. Sure, yep. And one of my nerd, I have his work. Yeah. yeah, I love yeah. it. He even refers to Jesus as the Messiah. Sure. Wow. And he was a Jewish historian. Exactly. So he took. So unpack what in the world does that mean? Okay. Why is it significant that it is significant. Josephus is a Jewish historian saying that about Jesus? So the Jews, who we just talked about in Isaiah as God's people, were who the Old Testament was written for. That was their, well. Because even it, like, I think the way I was, I, I, I started at a pretty progressive Christian college, right? Okay. And we were even referred to, we wouldn't even call the Old Testament. No, it's the, the Hebrew, Hebrew scriptures. Yeah, yes, Hebrew scriptures. the Hebrew yeah. scriptures, the law and the prophets and the writings. Yes. And so those are the things. And so Josephus was a, he was a Jew and he took all of the Hebrew scriptures, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way. He took those as the holy, divine inspired books of God. So when Jesus comes and he says, all of those, I didn't come to take any of that away. I came to fulfill everything that was in there. So what Isaiah is talking about, Jesus said, this is what I have come to do. I am the answer you're looking for. And even as a Jew who did not accept Jesus as the Christ, like we do, right. that his he documented his resurrection. That's what he saw. He documented the resurrection. That's the key thing for Josephus. Yes, because again, like that's I mean that's that's the, the, cre- that's, key the part that's, of history, right? Yes, 
Yeah. He documented that. He even refers to Jesus as the Messiah. And so if we want to and use— if I'm correct, like he says something along the lines of, and they are calling him the Messiah. So it's— I, I, and I haven't looked into— I, Okay, I ha- have it on my phone. Sure, I sure, have sure. it on my phone because I, I didn't take bring the book with me. But I've got it at the house. And he he does say yeah. that— and so the, But this is key, right? Mm-hmm. So we talked about beforehand, too— we are here on a podcast that, you know, maybe, you know, 45 minutes, maybe we get to an hour. Maybe. That would be ex- that would be extensive for us. Like, and at the same time, we could know. talk about this forever. But we're walking into this conversation, hoping to summarize it for someone, again, that's never opened this stuff for the first time. To someone be a primer is the best way I can kind of say it. Right. To launch you into something deeper. Because my biggest piece of advice for anyone at all who sees that TikTok, watches that YouTube video that is highly questioning the reliability of the Bible is to— do your research. Right. Look at it your look at it for there's, yourself. There's nothing that you or I can say Mm-mm. that's going especially not in a one little short podcast no. that is going to get people down the road of confidence that we have been on because you and I have been able to dig extensively into this over the course of years, years. talking about this and that's why we can speak so confidently but it's not just one of those oh we believe it that's why it's true, right? Cuz there's there's that's part of the fun part is when you get to explore it, and this is where I pointed someone uh, before to the, the 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 first chapter of Second Peter, right? So Peter's writing epistles right there. He says, "Put to the test everything that you've been taught, because the word of the Lord endures forever." Exactly. Right. That's the sentiment. Mm-hmm. This stuff's going to stand because this is what happened. Right. You know, and I think I think this is like important for address, and I'm glad you brought it out. Right. If I'm coming at this from the first time, and again, that circular thing. If you're using scripture to prove scripture. What it seems like, and this is good, this is going to get us into the discussion of how do we even have this book in the first place. Mm-hmm. What it seems like is I am using a singular book right. to prove a singular book. It's as if I'm, in order to prove that Harry Potter was real, I use all seven. I was thinking seven. Harry Potter. I Were can't you believe really? that you just said that. I was totally about that thinking about yeah. Harry Potter. But like that would be what, that's what most people think of because right. this is one solid book that we have all mm-hmm. together. And so, and, and it must be just one writer. And seriously, like all the utopian fiction out there makes you question truth every second of every single day. Like what's actually real and what's not real. Mm -hmm. And 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 fiction, especially today, has done a great job of making us ask that question in a good way. But the truth of the matter is this did not pop out as one bound book like Mm -mm. we have today. Mm -mm. And to kind of one of the one of the resources I will point people to a lot of the time is uh, the Bible Project. And they Mm -hmm. have a great little series called How to Read the Bible. And they start out with what's the Bible, and 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 like they have four little series, and every single time they say the Bible is a collection of books. Right. Like that's how they started off, and and so Dallas, how did I get this? Where did this all come from? And I know you've done your research, and I see all your notes, and so that's why I'm like, let's get into the conversation about. Well, let's use some fancy words. Can oh, we give people some fancy words and do it and uh, defancify them? Yeah, let's do it. So let's talk about canonization. Okay. Which means we also have to talk about the word canon, mm-hmm. okay? And I'm not talking about boom, mm-hmm. right? Come I'm talking about uh, a collection, okay? And how were these books and these writings and everything, where did it start? How did we get to this that's in front of me? So last week, I fussed at you because you were going to make me dust off my Greek, which gave me a little bit of Anxiety. Anxiety over that. And but if we want to look at the word canon, we do have to go back oh, to the there Greek. You go. Look at we you. gotta okay, go back to the Greek. For me. Help me out. So it's it it's a word that just means measuring rod. 
like a standard. Good. That is what it is. And so when all of the books that we collectively have in the Bible had to go through a process of measuring, like what is your standard? What is your standard for the pound? How much a pound weighs? Mm-hmm. What is your standard for an inch? I see okay. this in literature too, though, right? Because there's an American literature canon yes. that people will say, right? Yes. Like you can see this in so many different, again, mm-hmm. what meets the standard of being able to call be called that. Yeah. Right. And and so there were a lot of learned men that were reading and trying to decipher all of these. And the 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 full council of the Bible that we have now wasn't officially canonized made made official the authoritative all of what we have until 397 yeah. 397 AD. Yeah. AD and it took a while even though the the old testament the hebrew scriptures had been in existence for years and years and years and years and years and years, mm-hmm. and years. thousands of years yes yeah. yep. and then the new testament was written in a relatively short amount of time i mean we're talking maybe 100 years right exactly from the time that jesus was born and died, resurrected, and then we've got the the close of the New Testament books around AD 95 right? when the Apostle John died. And knowing that Jesus was born somewhere around somewhere, 3 AD mm-hmm. and then probably died somewhere around 33 AD. Right. So again, we're a very, very close system there of about 100 years. Now, as you're talking though, especially for someone brand new, we're not talking about uh, like a modern understanding of, hey, we're putting a book together. No, not even. And we need to determine uh, what goes in the book. Right. Right, because even like bound books. Weren't a thing. Yeah. Not, not a thing. until like 500 years ago, mm. maybe. Like or maybe maybe 500 to 1,000 years at best. But the idea of bound together type things like in a spine and, and especially accessible. I'll, accessible. I'll, I'll go that way. Accessible. An accessible format. Right. Because because there were certainly because someone's calling me out on this I, right now I can hear him yelling at their radio uh, that that there were books but they were for very wealthy people exactly and very um, learned people like so education your everyday people your everyday person Correct. that was one of the things that was so but cool not about two thousand years ago. no about Jesus's disciples is they were unschooled ordinary men that's in there yeah that and and so this was this the the canonization the binding the books wasn't wasn't a thing really the bible was the first book printed on with movable type the gutenberg bible in 1455 right 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 so that was a long time and to make to make uh print copies right right so okay this is good all right so what in the world when you tell me about the hebrew scriptures and mm-hmm. like i see jesus reads from isaiah yes he does <laughs> so like he he didn't pull off the shelf the bible and then flip to they were scrolls. Scrolls, good. Scrolls uh, that had been transcribed by somebody. That was their job. The scribes ha- held a very prestigious— I love talking about the scribes. Yeah. Because, like, even the word scribe ultimately means something like pointer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason why is the process. So these scribes who, like, we get, they wrote stuff down. But no, 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 no. They like especially with the, the the Old Testament. Oh, I should have done my research. There's there's really fun stuff even in our modern Hebrew Bibles. There's really cool stuff that shows the different things that the scribes did. But essentially, right, you'd have an original uh, scroll. Okay, so okay. how did they get the originals? What do you? Oh, so like, well, then, then we have to go all the way back to the auditory culture, right? right? Good. All right. So tell me about that. So again, by the time this is all in this thousand year period, where the where the canon comes together mm-hmm. where it's standardized by three 
what did you say? 397. 397. When by the by the end of that thousand year period, you have somewhat of a a collection that is carried around. Mm-hmm. But all of these events happened before that. Okay. Right. So how in the world? Yeah. And you have the auditory culture. This is this is how civilization understood history until you started writing things down. Mm-hmm. So you just shared over and over and over again things that happened, and you talk about it and talk about it and talk about it until eventually it is all written down into these different scrolls. Uh, and we would say that we have thousands of copies of various things. You're turning to Deuteronomy I'm, 6. I I'm love turning, Deuteronomy 6. Yeah, I'm turning to Deuteronomy because it goes to the auditory culture. Good, yes. So in, uh, these commandments that I give you today, talking about what Moses had given down the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Most people have heard of the Ten but Commandments. Like in 613 Commandments, yeah, exactly. Those two. Eventually. Eventually. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children talk about them. Yes. When you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. So even before that, that was given for all people. So if I don't know how to read, if my husband doesn't know how to read, we can listen. Which nobody. Nobody knew how to read in this culture. Nobody, nobody knew how to read. You have language, you're speaking, but you're not, it's not a literate society. Exactly. It's not that you're writing a whole bunch of stuff down, which is so confusing for a lot of people today because we're so used to people being literate. Right. But even a thousand years ago, the, co- the primary culture wasn't literate. And I say that though, even, right? And we still have struggles in American schools today of how many people aren't literate. And in the world as a whole, in the world as a whole. how many people aren't literate, right? Because there's just auditory auditory societies out there, which is crazy because we're also there. in the new, right, digital world too. So right. it's like, it's such an interesting thing. But this was a key feature of trying to understand canonicity is Ultimately, the word of God is what God spoke, mm-hmm. right? And then eventually, right? We would say through uh, the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Right. He carried out to where eventually there were certain things written down that God said that he did, right? That we now have included in this book. But it's this journey from stories that were passed down to uh, events that were written down and those stories eventually written down to eventually collection being passed alongside of each other. So a great example of the canonization thing is the Gospels and Acts. Right. Right. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke, right, they're carried along, carried along, and Luke with Acts, right, Mm -hmm. carried along together, and eventually John gets thrown in there too. And that was kind of the set of scrolls that got passed down and passed down and passed down and passed down. Right. Till eventually, right, you have this collection and a very modern, accessible thing Mm -hmm. that is a, a, like, the church a thousand years ago would have been surprised to see Mm-hmm. a Bible in the language of English, which again is a, its own journey. Well, forget right? about English, but in right. the language that— Any that, language Any that language spoke. That, yeah. that they spoke because that was just not—that was not a thing. So the Bible traveling through—the Bible has 40 authors, 40, right, right. 40 yeah. human, 40 human authors. Probably 35, 36 that we could name. That we can name. And then there's some that we can't name just because mm-hmm. the author has never— uh, uh, Explicitly right. told to us. Yeah, Exactly. And and then and we're looking at almost thousands 2, of years, almost yeah. two thousand years, a yeah. little over two thousand years. And all, this is the cool thing. This is the testament collection. When we look at the word of the Lord endures forever, mm-hmm. I, I tell people this all the time. I'm saying, look, if if you and I tried a social experiment, we said this a little bit last time, of trying to get forty people over the course of uh, thousands of years, a couple thousand years, dude. Let's just try a month. Right. If and we to, did to, it for to tell a month. one story, Mm-mm. you know, and, and that's one of the things that I think is such a testament to what we have here is it tells one unified story from start to finish. Yeah. 
Yeah. As we and and we have proof of that. I mean, we have, we talked a little bit about it, that we've got hundreds of thousands of fragments of whole scrolls yes. of whole documents that, that back up what we have right here in front of us. Exactly. And, and that's, where, and that's so we incredible. Have this, we have this journey of now, and it's going to be, it's going to be important for us to zero in on the New Testament. Okay. It will be. But especially your favorite Old Testament, right? My Old Testament. You have this stories that were passed down, mm-hmm. eventually written down. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then that was originally mostly in Hebrew, a little bit of Aramaic involved mm-hmm. in that too. All right. And so that's where we have like these and, and oh, we missed the scribes. We were talking about the oh, scribes. Oh, we were talking about Look the scribes. At us, Dallas. Okay. So then <laughs> we need a producer to go, <laughs> go back. Go back. So auditory, how did it get written down? So it originally got written down, and then here was the job. Because if you value these words, you're going to want people to know them. And you're going to want them to have some, some veracity, some validity, some mm-hmm. authenticity. So the job of the scribe was to take the original letter and then to, uh, or sorry, I said pointers. It's even counters, right? Not even pointers. Oh, they did. Yes. They counted every single. In every line, mm-hmm. they would count the number of letters in mm-hmm. the line and then the next line, and then the next line of their copy. So they'd make an exact copy, and then they'd have to count every single right. letter. And if Forgot it was off that. by one, Start over. they tossed it. Mm-hmm. Right? So that's the level of scrutiny that went into every single copy. But then it was their job to copy and copy and copy and copy and copy. Now, this is where we get to introduce one of my favorite words in this conversation. And it's kind of fun because I already had this conversation today. Uh, historiosity. That. Our, Historiography. Ooh, there we go. There it Historiography. Because you can hear the graph, the mm-hmm. writing. And, and, and that's a fancy word that's basically asking, how was history written down? Now, Dallas, uh, if let's say, oh, I was in a car accident in January. Yeah, right? I remember that. So it's really important in that moment for the police to get there as soon as possible and for them to write down the statements of people that saw it happen, mm-hmm. the people that were involved mm-hmm. right away. Right. Right. If it was the next day or a week later uh, and we were recounting information. And what's kind of interesting is truly like, especially if you're walking through with a lawyer, like they're going to ask you to tell the story over and over again to every single doctor, to every single thing. Because like whenever something like that happens, they need validity Mm -hmm. to what actually happened. And the closer you are to the time of the event and the the number of people that Mm -hmm. actually see it, you call it more accurate. Okay. So with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. And particularly when it comes to the New Testament, like you already shared with us that really Revelation probably around 95 AD, something like that. 90, 95. Yeah, at the latest. At the latest. John would have been really old. So every piece of the New Testament was written Mm -hmm. within 70 years of Jesus' death. Right. Okay? Right. That's huge in the grand scheme of history when you look at the fullness of it. Oh, you're bracing yourself. This is good. This is good because I, I covered I It's in my notes. I good. Have, I had that. Yeah. I have that. Yeah. Because the, when you look at the rest of human history, which is so fun, right? This is why I tell people, put it all to the test because the Bible has been put to the test. The mm-hmm. word of God has been put to the test ever since it existed. Right. Right. Because Satan's at work. Right. And he's constantly trying to make us question this. So my thing is always test it, test it, test it, test it, test it. Because when you look at the grand scheme of things in history, the Bible is the most historically valid as when it comes to historiography. It has the best historiography. Mm-hmm. It has the best record as far as closest to the time the events actually happened. Eyewitness and accounts. the number of copies mm-hmm. and the eyewitness accounts. So all the things that it has to check, it does better than anything than else anything from ancient else. history. 
Okay. Fun fact. Sure. I can nerd out. Yeah. And go test that, by the and, way. Yeah. Listener. Test go. it. Go, go ahead and test it. it. Alexander the Great. Yes. Okay. Good one. See, Alexander I always go, the I always great. go Julius Caesar, oh, I was, He's Homer. on my list too. Yeah. But good. Alexander the Great. Tell me about Alexander, Alexander the, the Great. great. We don't doubt. We Alexander don't the great, doubt. Great existed. Anything about yeah. Alexander the Great that he was, that, that he existed, that he was a great conqueror, that he was a great warrior, that he was a great this, this, this. Everything that we know about Alexander the Great happened I don't, a couple hundred years. When you say happened, wrote, written wrote, down. Written down. Yeah. Written down like a couple hundred years after he died. Yeah. There was nobody around that could say, oh yeah, I was there for that. I remember right. that battle. Oh, right. I remember when he did this and I remember that he did this. And then Julius Caesar, most of the information that we have on Julius Caesar came from his own biography. <laughs> you know how good I would look if I wrote my own biography? Oh, exactly, yeah. I mean, it would be- The winner's right history, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And then we look at the Bible and or the New Testament. Just, just let's zero in on the New Testament. Right. So we have these six guys, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Peter, Paul, Paul uh, James, yep. uh, seven- Counting is hard for me. Yeah. So whoever the author of the Hebrews is. They, whoever right. the author of Hebrews. And they were there. They witnessed in some fashion, uh, most of them except for Paul. Paul witnessed the resurrected Jesus. Right. We can right. put that on the board. We can get back to that later. And everything, everything that they wrote down was within 70 years of the actual event. And they saw themselves. And they saw so they were it. eyewitnesses. Oh, you have like like uh like Mark, right? So mm-hmm. John Mark, right? Who again probably saw most of it happen. Yep. But it's also you have like the accomplices of Paul and things mm-hmm. like that. So they're all journeying together. It's a group of people that is all working or had seen it, right? So right. you have witnesses and witnesses and witnesses. Right. And then you have someone like Luke, right? Who I so appreciate is Mr. Details. So he, he wants well, to he make sure you're physician. grounding it in history. Yeah, exactly. He was a physician, so he yeah. would be. A, and it's crazy, right? How God used. All these people, mm-hmm. right, that were completely, I was about to say randos. Can I say randos? You can say randos. Completely random people. Yep. Like with different backgrounds, yep. different things to be able to do this, right, and to bear witness. And I actually say like Paul, the person of Paul, and even just the writings of Paul, knowing who he was, is one of the greatest testaments to the truth of at least the ministry of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Because he went from Mr. Persecute the Church yeah. to change my name. I am dedicated to this man, Jesus who died and rose again and then wrote all that stuff down, yep. right? So it's one of those, like, you don't make that transition. And then you have, so it's funny, you're reminding me of a sermon my home pastor would give all the time, which again, referenced Julius Caesar. He'd reference Homer, but as the English major, I was like, yeah, these days nobody actually believes Homer existed. Like he's, hey. well, I'm just saying. I like Homer. <laughs> but like he's, yeah, because of the historiography of it all. Right. Um, but then he would take us into a conversation about the disciples. Mm-hmm. You can't deny what happened to the apostles, the disciples. Both fancy words talking about the same 12 individuals, mm-hmm. right? Everybody but John brutally murdered and martyred. Oh, absolutely. For this. Mm-hmm. So again, Dallas, my challenge for you would be give me 12 men that are committed to a lie, right? And and ask every single one of them to be faithful to that lie mm-hmm. until they die. And not just die, not just be shot by a firing squad. Oh, which Some would of the still most be awful. vicious, awful, mm-hmm. evil things, like crucifixion. Crucifixion. Being crucified upside down, skinned alive. Uh, I think 
I think boiled was one. I don't know. Like just uh, random, crazy, awful stuff. I'll take a beheading any day. Because they don't want this. Right? No. The government at this time does not want the message of Jesus Christ because it was kind of seen as this overthrowing of the Roman Empire. And so it was one of those things of that's why, I mean, even Jesus himself, when you look at his life and his ministry, ultimately Jesus was killed because, right, just practically speaking, if you have zero belief in any of the theology at all behind it, Jesus was was killed because he was overthrowing king. a system. He was a king. Yeah. Well, he's claiming to be a king mm-hmm. and he was and he was and he was not in line with the Jewish he was offending the Jewish leaders. Right. And that's why he went to, and and it, it was he was able to be convinced or the the government was able to be convinced to kill him the way that they did. Right? And they so, were so good at it. Yeah. Oh my god. And word, what what, what a radical mess. Oh yeah, they were really good. They at were it. really good at that. Like professionally mm-hmm. killing people. Yeah. So all of these things, though, speak to that initial question that you were getting at, which was, aren't you just speaking in a circular pattern that, well, no. Because no, history backs it up. this book is not a single book. Mm-mm. This book is actually a collection of ancient documents mm-hmm. that were collected over thousands of years, mm-hmm. written over a thousand-year period, and then came together to tell one a unified story. And right. this is just easy and accessible to us. But again, I have these these books back here, right? Right. So it's kind of interesting, right? You have the original languages of the Hebrew and the Greek, right? And that's my, my blue book down here. And then you have the, at one point, right, for the purposes of the church and the setting Latin. that they were in, it was translated into the Latin Vulgate, right. right? So you have a Latin one. And these are just modern collections. But the really cool thing about each one of these books is, like this is, and this is old, which is so funny because it's from 2011. Uh, so this is the Nessie Allen, I think it's 28 or something, but I know they have a few editions since then because what it is now is the job of uh, scripture experts. There's got to be exegetes is the fancy word. That's the fancy word. Yeah, is to take what modern archaeology is digging up and finding mm-hmm. new um, scrolls and things like that and comparing it to what we have and saying, is this what it says? Does it, it match? Does and, it match? And this whole thing, it's cool when you get to learn the Greek. And I encourage you, if you really want to, if you really want to tirade against the Bible, go learn Greek and try and prove it wrong, right? Because in the apparatus there, I have this collection of manuscripts says something different. This one says something different, which is one of the big questions people bring in about the right. reliability question. Well, if it contradicts itself so much, then how can you? Well, friend, like I'll call you a friend. Uh, understand most of the disagreements, if you will are not significant. No. Like, for instance— They don't change the outcome of the story. They don't. And sometimes it's this author said, the donkey, and this one did not. It said a donkey. donkey. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes it said there were two donkeys instead of one donkey. What? Or is the foal of a donkey Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. But the significant, huge stuff about what matters— no one disagrees on. Exactly. And there aren't any any, any disagreements. And, and again, we note, did any of these ancient manuscripts that were copied over and over and over again, like, did any of them disagree here? And actually, this is that's what this book is for me in the New Testament side of things, right? So this is my, my Metzger, uh, and this is a textual commentary in the Greek New Testament. So anytime in my Greek New Testament, I have a question, oh, these ones disagreed. Like, what's the conversation? Metzger will say, hey, these two disagree. These are what each of them say, or these three disagree. And this is why I've chosen this one. And that's the job of an exegete. That's the job of a a good pastor, a decent person of the word Mm -hmm. that's really having these conversations is, okay, what is closest? And and I think that's a fun journey to go on. I'm sure you'd nerd out over all that stuff too. I would. Of what does this actually mean? What did it actually say in the first place? When God spoke it to his people, that's the journey of an exegete. What did it actually say? And thankfully— 
as we can see from all of our English translations that we have now today, mm-hmm. we have some pretty strong agreement and, and the English translations are pretty close together. Again, right. ESV, uh, RSV, NIV, NIV. CSB, mm-hmm. all these things that we mentioned last time. Right. And so as we have this conversation too then about the reliability factor, my, my ultimate thing is go challenge it. Go ask all the questions because mm-hmm. that's where I was. That's why you and I probably nerded out in a very similar way is, right. no, we know the challenges that God's word is going to have as we step into this world. We also know the promises that we're convicted of that the word of the Lord endures forever, that Jesus came to fulfill this, that all this stuff is pointing to him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we were concerned a little bit about the veracity of the historiography, the historiography. of scripture itself. Yeah. And that was a lot of words for a lot of people. It was a lot of words. So the truth of what it, we're holding in our hands, that's the, that's the, the defensified version of all of those things. Right. So as we have this, is there any other fun ones, right? Isn't it? Good, good, good. I we this, I didn't look at the notes. We've had such a good conversation. I, I haven't looked at my notes the whole time. Uh, so how does this apply today? And this is why I think it was crucial for us to start off episode two talking about this was, this is the question of the time. This is a very popular TikTok, a very popular YouTube video. Uh, where did this come from? Uh, how can it have been handed down with integrity? We talked about the work of the scribes. Uh, isn't it just a man-made book? I get that all the time, Dallas. It hurts me. I know. Because I'm like, it, it feels like a, a quick dismissal. So we are rooted in faith. Yes. Okay, so I believe in miracles. I believe I believe what's written on these pages actually happened. Happened, yeah. The, the things that you can actually almost wrap your mind around and the things that are completely out there. I, but I believe all of that. And I don't take it I take it on faith, but not blind faith. Sure. And so, because I That's have, important. I have yeah. asked the questions and I have gone back and I have looked at things that, that didn't exactly maybe sit right with me. And there's a, a, a famous quote that, and I, I, I've, David Hume, David Hume says that a miracle is not the, um, a miracle is, is not the the you don't get rid of the natural law it's not the it's not the passing over of the natural law it's expansion of a higher law and that's that's the way that i feel about it that i it's not natural law just not existing anymore because god parted the red sea it was the expansion of a higher law and oh, a higher okay. sure, purpose sure well the so, whole idea of being supernatural right right like, right yeah the whole idea of the divine and right? you have to be open yeah. you have to be open to miracles and, and to things that you just can't explain. And I think, too, right, I can understand skepticism right. when approaching miracles because we don't experience them the way the that, way they that did. this is described right, right here. And so I totally appreciate with anybody that has a hard time understanding mm-hmm. that. Again, there's a lot of things that hurt your brain. Yes. Right? But but I would, I would say, too, even without faith, right, mm-hmm. if I'm just walking around in this world as a human being looking at the world, there's a lot of questions that hurt my brain. Like, where did we come from? Right. Um, why do we have evil in the world, period? Mm-hmm. Unless it's all bad. Or like, how can we even talk about good in the world? Or is this all chance, right? Going down like, um, there's a kind of philosophical perspective called nihilism, which means kind of nothingness. Right. So like, and that's a very dark way to go down. And, and, and as you go down the road of kind of meaninglessness, you have to ask the question of them, why do I feel meaning? And purpose. Why too. do I have purpose? Right. So, so even without faith, 
I have to walk down these roads of really tough questions that are going to hurt my brain that ultimately point me to, and even when you look in the science of it and all this stuff, point me to some sort of creator creation. Mm -hmm. And I believe, and I'm convinced that creator wanted to make himself known and has made himself known and works through all things. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing that out because I think, I think that's the question of the day uh, of, of the time that applies to what we're talking about. Right. And the bottom line, the reliability question, you can test it. I mean, you can, you can test it and, and it's there. And, and I love, I love that. I mean, I will use the Bible to prove the Bible. I've, I'm guilty sure. of that. Well, and, because the Bible interprets itself, right? And it goes back to those contradictions. And that's the thing is like, look into them, right? Because as many times as you want to see that graph that's popular over my lifetime, but maybe someone's going to see it for the first time of here's all the places where the Bible disagrees. Like, okay, now go find the graph that says, here's all the places where it connects over a thousand period of time telling the same right. story and, and as right. lining up and things like that. Because again, those contradictions, it's meant to be a visually stunning thing but when you actually dig into it and look into it you're like okay that's not a big but deal. it that's doesn't not a big deal that's yeah not a big it, it deal. doesn't affect yeah. the outcome or the other fun thing is when like like as a teacher right sometimes you'll bring in something that contradicts in order to teach something else right if you're a good teacher you're yes. actually unpacking trying to get them to discover something different too. throw the monkey wrench in and see if they can yeah and, find and that's the, what I, i'm saying go on the journey explore all of that stuff Absolutely. because at the end of the day this is like a springboard we we would love for you to use this as a springboard yeah. and 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 look into it yeah look into test it test it all you want to mm-hmm. i mean that's my big thing right because ultimately it is telling one unified story it is pointing to one truth and one reality which is so controversial to say in today's world absolute truth yeah. is there absolute truth and, well, and at the yes. end of the day there's things that happened and things that didn't and it, and that's a fun journey for me to go on too because like in my English major days, that was my my ultimate. Like even at the end of high school, and you were the end an English of, major. Oh yeah, did you I not was know too. this? Oh no, no, I was. Have we never talked about? We've this? never talked about that. That's so much fun. Oh good. Okay, so I can earn up for a brief second. Okay. So like my, oh, the listener is going to be like, I don't know if I want to hear this. I think they do. So when I was a junior in high school, okay, okay, I I enjoyed English class. I was never good at it in high school. There's a there's a book called Heart of Darkness, Joseph Conrad. And it's about this man that is in England telling how he went to Africa to just, it was kind of colonialism, all this stuff, to kind of go after this big bad guy named Kurtz. And as I'm reading this story, like it's almost the description of this big bad guy named Kurtz. Uh, uh, there was a, a movie in the 1980s. Oh, someone's screaming it right now. It's based on it. It's about Vietnam. Okay. All right. But. I, as I'm reading these descriptions about Kurtz, I'm like, that's not believable at all. But what I'm realizing is this homeboy that's narrating, he gets to tell the story because he won, right? Going back to what we talked about. Winners write history. He, he's alive. Kurtz is dead. He can say whatever he wants about Kurtz right. and we have to trust him because he's there. Right. So I was, I, my whole thing was the reliability of the narrator. Mm-hmm. And so I took that into college. Little did I know I was going to be an English major. And so I did that in my, my senior year of college. Like my capstone was on a Flannery O'Connor story, The River. It was all about perception, right? Uh, and and how can we trust this kid's point of view because he's just a kid, mm-hmm. like he's he's got the, the the knowledge of a kid versus the knowledge of an adult. Same thing. There was a protagonist. Is he really a big bad guy or not? And then also I looked into like uh, William Faulkner's As I Lie Dying. It's all about perspective. So all that said, right? Something happened in history. Something happened, and I would call it something happened truth. 
an absolute truth. Mm -hmm. And then you have humanity walking alongside and telling the story of what happened. Okay? Okay. Do you see where I'm going here? Yep. Scripture, to me, as a lot of humanity, Mm -hmm. 40-something people, Mm -hmm. but also a collection of, of, of stories that were passed down, looking at what happened, talking about what happened. And that's what's crazy is you have all of these different people that come from all these different time periods and eventually right. tell the, the same, same story. story all the way through. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Because there's this guy, God, who's made himself known as. Who's narrating. Yeah. N- made it known who he is, the creator, the redeemer, the sustainer of all things, who's laid it out for us. Mm-hmm. And again, that might be a lot to unpack for somebody, but the journey, right? A good night, Dallas, I'm 34 years old. And just thinking about the journey I've been on the last 20 years, even to get to the point that I am to be able to speak any kind of confidently about mm-hmm. what we're talking about right now. So as we think about this, right, reliability question, I would have people take with them historiography. Right. You'd mentioned the extra biblical stuff. Yep. The history side of things, the mm-hmm. archaeology side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but also that this is not just one book that just got written down by one guy. This was not instant scripture. Thousand years of years by multiple people. Mm-hmm. That never knew each other, right? Mm-hmm. That kind of a thing. Uh, and and still being able to share just one story at the end of the day. And that's why we would call this a pretty reliable, both the- theologically saying that. Again, have we broken down the word theology? That's a No, I don't think people. we have. I don't think we have. So there's two Greek words in uh, the word theology. There's theo, theo. and then there's uh, logos, okay? Logos, however you want to say it. You hear the word logic. Mm-hmm. Uh, theo means? God. And logic means word, word, thought, mm-hmm. you know. So, friends, anytime we use the word theology, we're saying if you've ever you are had pop quizzing me again, if you've ever had God thoughts, <laughs> like you're a theologian, and that's what it is. When you yeah. think about God, that's that's theology. So, I'm I, I won't apologize for using fancy words because we're trying again. We're trying to bring it to break it down for just everyday people. We you don't need a theology degree. You don't. You don't. And you don't. and. I don't, we don't want that to be. a bunch of fishermen and tax collectors. And tax collectors and, and sinners. Yeah, and, and a physician. Right? And a He's physician. Smart, okay, he but, was smart. But, but he does the best job of breaking it down for everybody. He really does. Mr. Fisherman John's the hurt your brain guy, but we'll talk about that we'll later. We'll talk about, put it on the board. We'll put talk it about it later. Yeah. But yes, we, this is approachable and this is understandable and it's meant for us. Yes. It's meant for the everyday person. It's, it's. You don't have to be in a white tower studying ancient no. books. This is what you need. Right. And, and and use it so that when you open it, Genesis falls out. You know? I mean, you've right. got use it. <laughs> use it until it's use it yeah. until until it just falls apart. And that's my encouragement for people too, is just looking at this. Mine okay, too. so this would be good. Leave people with some resources. I mentioned the Bible project, mm-hmm. how to read the Bible series, right? If you click on their little watch, you can see series. And that's one of the top ones, how to read the Bible. Um, I highly encourage, I'm sure I mentioned this last time, Lutheran Hour Ministries. Yep. The Bible on Trial talks about all of this canonization stuff and mm-hmm. how it is. That's a great four hours <laughs> that you can— you might uh, want to break that up. Right, but being able to spend some time looking at that. And um, I would say also the Bible Museum in D.C. Okay, uh, there's a Bible Museum here in Houston. Oh, is there really? Yes. Okay, tell me more. On the, it used to be the Houston Baptist campus. Now it's the— Houston Christian, they just changed the name. Interesting. Houston okay. Houston Christian University. Okay. So it's at 59 in Fondren, and they have a fantastic museum. 
Good to know. That for anybody here in Houston. For anybody in Houston, I highly recommend that you head on down to HBU, HCU, excuse me. Uh-huh. It was HBU when I was there. Sure. And but their Bible Museum is on point. Good to know. Have you been to the DC one? I know. Yes. Did I? Did we, we go to DC the eighth grade? Yes, the eighth grade I got trip? left on that trip. Oh, I got, got left. At, yeah, I got left at Ford's, Ford's Theater. Theater. Yeah, I remember that. It was so fun. <laughs> Thank so, you. But the, well, because there's a whole lot of leaving that trip. It was my first one. That so, was your first uh, one. <laughs> As, and I've told people since then, I was like, we leave adults, we don't leave students. No, we yeah. don't leave students, but we left a mom sitting outside. <laughs> I thought the didn't Jesus know, would come back. I got, no, you know, <laughs> by myself. So, but the Bible Museum has a great floor called the History Floor. And I think anybody that really wants to deep dive on all this stuff, mm-hmm. you really could go spend all day on the History Floor alone. Right. Uh, they also have an impact floor, a narrative floor. Narrative floor tells the story of the Bible. What else, What is this one unified story that we talk about? The impact floor is my favorite floor because it talks about the impact of the Bible, these words, what mm-hmm. God has said throughout history on all of culture, music, justice, um, literature, uh, founding of America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, really, really cool stuff on that floor. But the history floor gets into start it with the scrolls. How do we talk about auditory to language to to a literate culture? Like right. all this stuff, and what a journey it is just to walk around and see the different languages. It's really cool that they have done that. Uh, so, man, those are some sources. Anything else come to mind as far as just the layman? No, I think that we've I think we've we've covered a lot of ground. We have today. We've covered a lot of ground. Yeah. Because we really did firehose education. We really did. Because last last episode was about, we're talking about the word because we know there's people out there that don't know it. And this one is, look, we get, if you're brand new to this, then Mm -hmm. this is. And if you're not brand new, if you're sitting in church on Sunday morning, we're all going to have questions at some point. That's so true though. So you can go your whole lifetime in church and and not know some of this stuff. Go, I've never asked that question before. I've never thought about that. I've never thought Mm -hmm. about where all this came from. I've just blindly trusted this, the blind faith. Yep, the blind faith. And so it's good for us to really highlight the reliability question Mm -hmm. before we get to dive a little bit deeper. Uh, But this has been a joy for me. I'm excited. This It feels even like we're getting in a groove. I think so. We're finding the the back and forth. Yeah. The listeners, we've we've kind of said like, uh, this is new. Like this is going to be a new, you've done speaking things. You've been interviewed. I have. I've done podcasts. But it is fun to kind of find. But this is our first project together. Yes, so finding exactly. finding how we were going to work together was going to be an interesting journey. And I, I think we're I think we're doing good. But I love that we keep hopefully right. And this is where the listener can help us mm-hmm. out, right? It's like we have a chair right here yep. of someone brand new to this stuff. Yeah, really wanting to try and make it accessible. So so listeners, please help us out. It, like join the conversation. Share this share this conversation with someone that you might. I uh, think they want to hear this stuff. Uh, share the episode. Share the link. Mm-hmm. Uh, find us on Facebook. You can find us on Facebook, and you can look up What's the Word Podcast, and you can find, and hopefully you find this stuff that we're talking about. But but ultimately, too, just to join the conversation with us and ask us some things to consider in future episodes. Right. Or, if, again, you can find, if you could track us down. You can track us right? down. And, I'm and easy just, to find. <laughs> and just ask the questions, because we really do want that. That's what this is about, mm-hmm. is really being able to walk alongside of people and make this thing that can so often be intimidating accessible. And right. I think one of those barriers was this reliability question, and I'm glad we were able to tackle it Me too. this episode. Me too. Awesome. Good job. All right. Well, well listeners, done. share it, and we will see you next time. We are going to close. And we are going to close with— the, the way we, we wanted to set the routine Yes. for—we want to open with the word. Good we want to—thank you. We want to close with prayer. And if you can incorporate any of this into some of your daily routines, then— And it's because as much as we value opening, 
this, we value prayer too. We value prayer. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we explained definitely... a little bit at the end of the last episode mm-hmm. of just saying, you know, it's just a matter of you have this God who loves you, who created you, who made you, who cares for you, who... and he invites you to talk to him. Right. 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 And that is a very comforting thing for me. So if you would yeah. pray, pray with us. Absolutely. Father God, we just thank you for the time that you've allowed us to come together to open your word, to question your word, to have the audacity to question you, Father, and you answer us in spades. And as we get ready to dive deeper into the Bible and to the stories and how you reveal yourself to us, I just ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to us, open our hearts, open our minds, so that we might be better equipped to understand the good news that that is your word, that is your son, that is your plan for us. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time. Next time.